Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Jane Humberstone started teaching in East Sussex, England, and worked as a head of music for some time before leading on assessment for learning and national strategies locally. She then became secondary focus group chair for the National Association of Music Educators. In 2007, she moved over to the music service as advanced skills teacher, gaining lots of experience in whole class instrumental tuition and general primary music before becoming curriculum development manager for East Sussex Music. As well as advising music educators, Jane was also project manager for the highly successful Ready for School project, which had incredible results for rising fives with speech and language issues. She now works as head of music at the British School of Manila, her first overseas posting. Jane leads a team of 14 full-time teachers, administrators, and vocal instrumental professionals overseeing whole school music from early years to the IBDP and a very busy calendar of festivals, concerts, and events. I know that you'll enjoy hearing about Jane's adventures teaching music abroad. Well, this week, I am very excited to have Jane Humberstone join our podcast. Uh, Jane teaches uh, in Manila, in the Philippines. So, Jane, you are the very first uh, teacher, music teacher that I have at an international school. So, before we get into all the music technology questions, Jane, I'd love to find out about your path, uh, you know, where, where you went to undergrad and how you got uh, you know, all, you know, all these years later, you're teaching in the Philippines. So if you wouldn't mind giving us the, the kind of thumbnail sketch of, of your path from, uh, from your grad, you know, your college studies or university studies up to today, that'd be great. Okay. Um, well, it's basically a series of great music educators. So I had a wonderful piano teacher, Elsie Stott, who was inspirational. Uh, her daughter, Catherine Stott is a international pianist, but yeah, from quite poor backgrounds. I mean, Elsie and my mum used to work at Earby Light Engineering um, mm. <laughs> as secretaries in the office. Um, then I had a wonderful uh, secondary music teacher, Kathleen Bannister, who taught me that um, just uh, that music could actually be something that you followed beyond school. Um, and then when I went to Bath, uh, it was College of uh, Higher Education at the time, but now it's Bath Spa University, and under the tutelage of George Odam. Um, again, really creative, expressive stuff, and that's and I majored in composing there. Um, and I don't think there was many places where you could do that at that time. Mm. And, and I just I stayed on to do a postgrad in education because, well, basically I just followed music through my career. I didn't know what to do next. I mean, you, you know, it's difficult making a living as a composer. So uh, I just thought, well, I had these opportunities as a as a, a young child to compose and. Um, why shouldn't I be sharing that with other children? So that's where my passion for music education started. Like, like many, I imagine. Yeah. 
And then you started, so yeah, tell us how you started, uh, you know, where, where your first teaching gig was and, and, and how you got to now. Um, so first teaching gig was in Seaford in East Sussex in South of England, where I worked with a great guy, Chris Hiscock. Um, and he was uh, at that time writing a scheme of work which had never been heard of before, someone writing a scheme of work for music. And he wrote Music Matters. And I just happened to be there at the same time, which was just really inspirational for me. Um, and then I moved on to be my own head of department in Eastbourne. Oh, um, Eastbourne. So right. yeah. <laughs> Jane, you you, I, I didn't mention this, but uh, my whole family is from England. I have uh, my, my brother-in-law and his family live uh, right near Froome, so not too far from Bath. Oh, well, okay. So that's where I did my teaching practice. Ah, there you go. And my auntie yeah. lived in, uh, in, in Eastbourne. So, uh, so far, it's a very small <laughs> world. So, yeah, yeah, so head of music at Eastbourne. Yeah, um, and just lots of opportunities there. I mean, in those days, we were using Atari computers. Can you believe that? Oh, absolutely. Those were great yeah. machines. Absolutely terrific. Oh, my goodness. Every time there was a new dongle that came out, I was so excited. Yep. You know, oh, I can put three inputs into my computer. Yep. It was just amazing. <laughs> and the things I used, I was so creative with the printer. On Atari. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Making worksheets. It was, yeah, uh, interesting. And then, um, yeah, we got... Uh, performing arts status from the uh, from the government um, initiatives and um, I was able to create an ICT lab for music as well as a live room so um, that's where I got in, uh, really really started stepping up the ICT but it's always been a massive thing for me yeah and then how long were you in Eastbourne 17 years I know I don't right. sound that old <laughs> no not at all so 17 years in Eastbourne and then, yeah. yeah, then from there, where, where did you head? Well, then, because uh, I so enjoyed just teaching, I became an advanced skills teacher. I didn't want to go up the management route right. um, in teaching. Yeah, so uh, from Cavendish School, I then moved on to working for the music service, um, where I still was advanced skills teacher. So I was still going around helping other music teachers, and, um, but also teaching primary as well. Um, and then I started leading on some initiatives. So we had uh, national strategies, we had the national curriculum. So I, I did a bit of um, writing for that um, and became secondary forum chair for the National Association of Music Educators. All right. So I've had all these little uh, things because I just liked being out there. I liked being out in conferences and learning what the latest initiatives was and were and trying to put them into my practice as well. So yeah try to get around a bit <laughs> yeah and so for for the american listeners music services in the united kingdom are a very uh, different thing than the way music education is set up in the united states and that is and and now i, I believe they're called hubs or, or music yeah. services and so just to explain to uh the american listeners of the podcast it's basically a um a, a service uh a a separate company if you will that will supply music teachers to different schools who may not have the ability to uh, have a full-time music educator in their school is that is that a decent overview or a decent experience? yeah it, it's fairly similar um yeah with with primary schools i mean suppose right. in, in america you have your the, the system where you have your your music educators on site but you have your specialist music teachers yep um and the music service or the music hub is really kind of a central hub for um those specialist music teachers that they send out into schools got it 
So then I, I'm fascinated to know how on, you know, did you then make the jump to international schools or, or I mean, how did this, how did this um, opportunity in Manila end up happening? Am I okay to be political? Um, what happened was, uh, yeah, music, music education funding in the UK was, is getting very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and local councils are finding funding very, very difficult. So there's a bit of a struggle in the UK and a lot of people um, uh, lost their jobs basically because yep. there wasn't enough money to go around. Um, unfortunately, I was one of the ones because um, at the time I was managing really. So actually, you know, cutting managers is much better than cutting teachers. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately, but I think it's right. Um, and the opportunity came up and I just thought, well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Manila, it's gorgeous. Uh, and the international school scene is so welcoming mm -hmm. and friendly and well-funded. It's a completely different world to England. It sure is. So how long have you been in Manila? I've only been here since August. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is a recent move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you br and you brought your family with you? I did. And the dog. Oh, yeah. there you go. All right. Yeah, Very yeah. good. So um, why don't you tell us, Jane, about your program? So you're at the British School of Manila. Yeah. Um, what, why don't you tell us about your program, like what your teaching duties are? What does the music program look like? Are there other music teachers than you? So just give us, paint a picture of, of the music program there. So, yeah, we have one, one other music teacher, Jenny Johnston, um, also from Eastbourne, weirdly. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> she, so she's the primary music teacher. And the nice thing about being in all, an all-through school is that we can work really well together. So we, we're, all, we're both from the UK. The school is British curriculum, so we work on national curriculum principles. And so we have this spiral curriculum that kind of works from rhythm through melody, harmony, but all sorts of different projects, loads of different um, experiences for the children, but really base, building on the basics. Um, so we use a lot of Voices Foundation, um, a UK-based foundation, which is based on Kodai principles. Right. For, for, you know, just uh, training the children in pitch awareness when they're little, um, um, just general percussion and then we have programs for um, year four um, are playing samba then they go through to ukulele for a year and year six are all they've all got an instrument each um, so they either play trumpet trombone flute clarinet so pretty like the american band system oh wow um, in year six um and then when we get into year seven um i'm able to follow on what's been done in primary so as well as playing their instruments in year six there's a lot of creative stuff as well so we use musical futures principles so they they do the just play um program which yep. is kind of based on um popular musics but they they get to play ukulele drums bass guitar guitar you name it and sing um so when they come into year seven they've already got their skills and we can really really develop those right but I, I give them more experiences so we've been african drumming whatever and then year eight um, um i've just been doing some jazz improvisation stuff with the kids and so developing their melodic awareness and then in year nine uh we're based mostly on harmonization which is much more complex so mm -hmm. we're looking at chords cause inversions cause extensions but in kind of a real way. So every time I plan a project, it's based on what that music is for. 
So, you know, if we're doing right. the blues, I think I ask myself the question, what's, what is the blues for? And, um, a few years ago, I asked myself the question, why am I getting these kids to improvise in the blues when actually jazz improvisation would be far better? Because, Interesting. Yeah, you know, that's where improvisation is at its best, isn't it? Yeah. So I just, yeah, changed that pro- project to uh, jazz improvisation. And from there, they're, uh, they're using a musical future stuff again. Um, and they're uh, using the songwriting project uh, yeah, and then we go into year 10, we've got IGCSE and, and an IB uh, diploma program as well. Oh, wow. There's a hell of a lot going on. <laughs> it sure is. I mean, that sounds like a very comprehensive, well-rounded music program. So you're giving them everything. I mean, you're throwing, you know, you have a beautiful, it sounds like a really great performance uh, program with kids in year six or what we would call sixth grade over here, um, Mm -hmm. uh, playing instruments. You've got uh, a a really wonderful um, creative aspect of your program. And then you are, um, you you know, giving them a a wide, uh, a wide view of the musics uh, around the world. Um, so, so did you design that curriculum or was it already in place when you got there? Um, I kind of designed it. Um, that's kind of one of the things that I like. Yeah. I'm one of those weird people. I like planning. No, that's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you, yeah. You have to, it's got to be holistic and it's got to be linked to, I mean, the school has a concept based curriculum as well. So we have to bring all that in and, and well-being and mindfulness is all embedded in there as oh, well. Wow. Well, so um, before we get into your use of technology, I just, uh, I'm, you know, while you were describing your program, I have all of these images of what it must look like, what your school must look like. So, you know, a British school, what, what is the school population? Are they expats? Are they uh, local uh, children from the Philippines? I'd love to know, like, wh- who are your students? Well, they're all of those and more. So it's um, quite a lot of local um, pupils Mm -hmm. there are people who are uh children of workers who are here sometimes quite transiently so they Mm -hmm. might be uh, their their parents might be drafted in to work in the banking corporations or or, you know engineering or whatever uh for for a few years and then move on um and they're from all over the world and uh yeah so it's it's a real real mixture and so the and the faculty are are they primarily British or is it um, uh, is it a mixture as well? It's a mixture. Uh, Jenny and I are British, but all of our instrumental teachers are Filipino, and they're all professional musicians. Oh so wow! We, we have a wonderful program of. Uh, very, very experienced music educators. Yeah, that, it's fantastic. A lot of the American music teachers I know do not have any concept of the international schools. Uh, you know, there are American international schools around the world. There are British uh, international schools around the world. I had a, the pleasure of attending an international music schools conference uh, in Aberdeen, Scotland, a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and was just uh, blown away by the uh, the the offerings that these schools have for music and uh, a lot of my students I teach at Teachers College Columbia University and I have a pretty significant portion of my students uh, who end up going around the world they spend a few years in a different you know like they're they'll teach in Guangzhou China for four years and then they'll move to Dubai for four years um, it, it is a it is a scene that I don't think a lot of American music educators know anything about. So uh, Jane, I appreciate you uh, 
uh, yeah. you know, giving us I, that I, idea. I think um, it's the same for, for UK teachers as well. And, and I was kind of like that before I left the UK. Uh, just, uh, it was a closed door to me. I, I had no idea. But until you get here, it's, it is really phenomenal. The yeah. benefits packages, but the, the actual style of teaching, the, the smaller classes, you can really get into. This is the great thing that I found. I could actually design a curriculum from the true principles of music education and see how it worked because I knew I'd have children that would work with me. That's fabulous. It's uh, it's kind of a best kept secret, um, yeah. you know. I, yeah. So I would urge any listener from the UK and from the uh, from the U the United States or wherever you are uh, to look into it, especially if you love traveling, if you love new adventures and seeing new places. Um, mm. it, it's 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 wild to hear about it. So thanks. So. Now I'd like to steer the conversation uh, to the, you know, your experience in technology. Now you mentioned earlier the Atari computer, and I'm sure a lot of people know of Atari as, as a little gaming system, but yeah, they <laughs> yeah. did make really, really beautiful machines for music making. But I'd love to understand how you got interested in music technology and then how you uh, got interested in integrating that into your teaching. I, I would imagine that it, okay. it probably stemmed from your uh, composer roots, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I was at Bath College again, um, ah. so Bath, Bath Spa University now. Um, and the music technology used to be in a little porter cabin. Do you know what those are? Little Absolutely. Shed. Um, and there was me and Derek, the music technician, and I, I was composing. I remember it was a, a, a song cycle based on some African um, women's singing. And I needed it to, I needed a tape loop. And I remember hanging tape on uh, uh, nails in the wall because this tape loop was really, really long and we didn't have the facilities to, wow. <laughs> to create a, a Yeah, it was really basic. It was beyond, uh, you know, the old BBC um, radiophonic workshop. It was basic, basic, basic. And they had a BBC computer. I was, yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of our a lot of our listeners, Jane. I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Are going? What is tape? Uh, you know. So, uh, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, and I, I went back to Bass Bar a few years ago. We had a reu reunion, and it's really one of the most really teched up um, universities. It's fantastic. Whole media, media studio there now. Mm. Um, so you know, we were right at the, the I think at the beginnings of it, although it was basic, and then. I think music technology has always been at the front of um, te in technology. Yep. Because of that, you know, because of the Atari computer, we could have that in our classroom and we could be, be so creative with it. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we yeah, I, can't, I don't know. So you just like dove right in. You got most of your experience yeah. in the, at, at Bath Spa uh, University. Yeah. And then how did you you know, uh, you know, you've been in a, in a number of different schools, so maybe focus on uh, a school where you, I mean, when you were in Eastbourne, for example, it seems like you were there for the longest period of time. Did you have like a, you know, I remember you saying you had an ICT lab, but maybe talk about what the technology looked like there and what you were doing with those kids. Well, it started with the Ataris. Yeah. And then we, then we got the government grant and that was allowed to build as the suite I wanted. Um, I'd, I would have liked Max. But yep. um, schools at the time weren't um, 
weren't willing to go into the macro. Um, I want to, I've always wanted to stay industry, industry standard. I think yep. it's really important for children to experience that. But we, we, we went on the PC route, so I had to come away from logic into Cubase. But I was able to design a suite where every child had a computer station and where they were able to synthesize uh, uh, music and be really, really creative. Um, and it's just them, at the same time, I was also working in the curriculum quite a lot as well. Uh, yeah, so I was looking at really why am I using technology? And I've, I've seen people just at those days just using technology to input notes and, you know, write out the chord sequence for a blues and I thought, well, that's not that's not what a musician would do, right? You know, if music uh, as a composer, I would be using the technology to create my own music, right? Or use it as in the background while I'm performing. I wouldn't ever be going right. Well, let's put some notes in, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know? So I had to really, really rethink my whole curriculum around that. So um, because I was I had the luxury of designing my own department, we had two rooms. One was a live room. And one was the technology room and um, me and the other teacher, um, uh, Kelly, who actually is a high school music educator in Chicago now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we used to just alternate rooms every term. So we'd have a, a live project and then an ICT project. Oh, very project. cool. So, yeah. So over, over the course of the key stage, which is like three years for, for UK children, they experience quite a lot of, uh, you know, different styles of music making. Right. So it sounds like uh, at least while you were in Eastbourne, you had state of the art technology and you were doing incredible things mm -hmm. uh, with your students. And then you went from there into the management level. So I'd love I, I know that you've used music first uh, for a short period of time and that you I believe that you had it in the past as well. So why don't you talk yeah. about like why why on you know with with that kind of setup at Eastbourne and then, you know, years later, you're you're looking at at a cloud-based solution. I'd love to hear about why you got started with music first and, and then how you're using it now in your school in Manila. Oh yeah. So basically I had to, I, I taught for a year in Brighton last year. Oh wow. Well. Um, I had to use music first because the school was subscribed to it. There you go. <laughs> All right. And, you know, so it was kind of uh, baptism by fire. Right. Um, but having advised you know, been a kind of music advisor and gone around schools and looked at different ways people were using technology. One of the things that was the biggest bugbear was the hardware everywhere you went. And yep. ICT managers couldn't cope with logic. They couldn't cope with Cubase. They couldn't cope with the interfaces and, the, you know, the actual hardware. Um, and although I was a bit resilient to it at first, I thought this is, this is great because you don't need all the stuff you don't yeah. need the ict technician to come and say oh well, i think your keyboard isn't talking to your computer because of the you know and all right. that stuff that i i can't i don't do that back end stuff i just want it to work right um and it and it, and it was and it was actually a, it's a level playing field so in that school um you know there's a real range of social and um uh, financial and emotional range right children yep. they have different access to different devices so the fact that you could actually do this on your phone was amazing absolutely you know, that, yeah. you know, it didn't matter what you what what technology you had at home yeah so then you decided when you went to the your new school that um i, I i'm pretty sure you're relatively new to it there so yeah. 
I'd love to hear what you have and what you're doing uh, at your school currently. Yeah, well, what we have is every child in Key Stage 3, so that's years, uh, ages. Um, 11 yeah, we call that middle school over here. <laughs> middle school, yeah, so 11 yeah. to 13. Um, they have their own laptop. And previously, the department had bought a, well, well they haven't bought, but the school had provided uh, some MacBooks, and they weren't really being used terribly well. We had other programs that I won't mention that weren't quite as sophisticated mm -hmm. um, because... Um, you needed to buy the actual um, program for each computer and then the children couldn't take those home Yep. because it was only installed on that particular MacBook. Yep. Whereas, you know, now they've got their own devices, whether it's Mac doesn't mind or whether it's Microsoft based or anything, they can actually access this, the, the same things. Yep. So they were using programs that also were uh, really basic it on their own computers right um and you know the sound quality is poor you they've got not, not got as much flexibility in the range of instruments and so on so um and i think yeah i think I, I was actually inspired by one of my pupils last year uh in the range of um that, that could be uh, got out of this technology right um so uh and he'd already been engaged with Music First for a year before I arrived at the school. And I got into the school. He was in year 10. And he's a great composer. And right. um, I was able to facilitate. And all I did was facilitate uh, him composing a, a commission. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, which, he, which he submitted into the BBC Proms Young Composer competition. Wow. And he won. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know, so his wow. piece has been played um, in the proms. At the Royal Albert Hall? Yeah, using, using uh, uh, Note Flight. Oh, my goodness. As that his, is uh, fantastic. I know. Well, not at the Royal Albert Hall, because right. it was the composer, but it was part of the prom series. Oh, yeah. wow, very good. Yeah. Very, very good. And I just, that, that actually taught, taught me the scope, the range of what is actually possible in the technology. Right. So, how are you using it with your with your kids now? Well, uh, we we've only had it for three weeks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, what's really great is that uh, we're able to use it for ho for distance learning as well. Um, but what, now now it's introduced. Um, so in year eight, uh, the guys who've been um, improvising. They're all great at improvising now because we've done actually an American style um, program of, of jazz um, improvisation. And uh, we've got their improvisation skills up so that they can uh, improvise 12 bars quite fluently. Right. They feel where the dominant chord is and they know to come to a close. They close using the end phrase of the jazz standard that we've been doing. So they've got all these practical musical skills improvising so the next logical step for me was like let's get this down on paper let's make it into melody composition right so what we've done is we've used musical futures and soundtrack so mu musical futures have got these great backing tracks in different styles funk ballad classic rock heavy rock uh hip-hop and um, I've got them to go away, listen to those, and imp just improvise freely again, find out where their notes are, 
Um, and so the next project is really getting them used to the technology is to, right, let's just import that MP3 and as a track. Yeah. That's, yeah. And let's just improvise freely. Now, now you've imported it, let's just improvise freely over the top until you're really sure about where you are going with your melody. When you're ready, let's now record a track. So I'll create a load of resources for them, like it's like beginner style. Um, step one step two step three so that they can go and away and just start creating melodies because the focus for me is the melody that's very it's so for our american listeners musical futures is an incredible organization that has not come at least to my knowledge in full force to the american shores yet but it's very similar in the united states to the modern band movement and little kids rock uh which is a big a big program over here so it's really wonderful to know mm -hmm. Jane, that they put out these backing tracks. What a wonderful idea to have them it's, make it's them great. And there's a, there's a tiny URL. You just click on the URL and it just puts it in your Google Drive. Oh, that's awesome. And, and then you just download it and import it into Soundtrap. It's, it's great. Because um, I've, I've seen projects before where people say, oh, well, let's, wow, we have to put the chords in and that's just going to take forever. I'm like, well, why bother? I want them to focus on melody. So yeah. give them a backing track that's great. And then they can just, what I'm judging is how well they, they develop a melody, how balanced it is and so on. Right. So you're using both NoteFlight and Soundtrap. Um, are, is, there any yeah. others, is there any other software that you're using? Well, we, I use Focus on Sound quite a lot. So Year 7, they've just been African drumming with me recently. Right. Um, and they're really good at it now. Um, but one of the things that's difficult to do when you're African drumming is, you know, it's great because it's all practical stuff is a little bit more about what actually Afri African music is about. Right. Um, the, you know, people think that African drumming is all djembe and it's not, there's so much else and it's not all about drumming. And there are so many countries in Africa. Yep. So the great thing is being, being able to give them home learning, distance learning, whatever, about all you know, from focus on sound about music of Africa and so they they can do that home learning and they can do the tests and all those tests go to my grade book and i could see how many times they've taken the test and i can tell them how many times they can take the test yep <laughs> so once or twice um and it's given me a really good idea of how much they've grasped about the, the rest of what's going on um in that genre it's interesting that you mentioned focus on sound, Jane. In the United mm. Kingdom, we have, it, it's something like half the schools in the United Kingdom have focus on sound. There's a lot really? of the, the revision yeah. guides, the GCSE, the yep. A-level kind of, the, re, the revisions are, are, you know, that are what people absolutely love about it. In yep. the United States, focus on sound, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets in our platform. <laughs> um, and that, really? that people aren't really, you know, looking through it. But um, it is extraordinarily popular oh, I, in the United Kingdom, for sure. Well, it's, it's great. It's great. For my, for my year 10s, um, so my 14-year-olds who are just doing, starting our GCSE, so there are, there are a range of abilities from those who've been, so my son's in my year 10 class, that, that's difficult. Anyway, <laughs> sure. That's another story. Yeah. Um, but, but he's clearly been d doing music since forever. Right. And he had to come to my music center since he was two. So right. he's got quite of a wide range of, of knowledge. But right. then there are other kids who've come to it because they've enjoyed play, doing music um, in the curriculum. They might not have necessarily have very, very well developed 
um, instrumental skills, but they have a love for music. And those are the children that really should do our GCSE as well. Um, it's a great chance for them to catch up on all the rudiments. So in Focus on Sound, you've got, you know, one's a whole section on basics. And, they, yep. <laughs> you know, I can set them a task and say, just do the basics. I can, that's the great thing. It's the individual learning tasks they can yep. go away and do. Or, uh, you know, you've, you've got to do, in different syllabuses, you've got to do uh, maybe keys to four sharps. So, you know, that again, there's all those, um, all those exercises that you can do and the, the lessons that, um, that give you all those tests at the end. Yeah, and, and if, if yeah. so to, to do another translation for our American uh, listeners, um, one of the things that I find so incredible and fascinating about the, the IGC, IGCSE or this kind of um, yeah. what, what we would uh, maybe, it's not the greatest term, but academic music uh, for high school age students is that um, in the United States, high school is all about performance. All, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you're either in band, chorus, orchestra, you might have some other type of ensemble or you're taking yeah. AP theory, but at the, what we call general music over here, which is, I don't really like the term, but general music at the high school level just is not a thing. Their music technology labs are growing in popularity. But um, what I love about the British approach is that what, what you've just said, so a kid's got a strong interest in music, but you know doesn't know how to play the clarinet, did not get into that performance tradition, but still really loves music. Um, they, can, they can take this kind of comprehensive music course uh, and get um, you know what we would call in the United States, we don't have anything like the GCSE at all over right. here. So you can't like major in a topic when you're in high school, if you will, or, or select yeah. a few topics to focus on. So it's really wonderful uh, to hear that, that you have these offerings and that a, a, a child can maybe doesn't bring all the performance, uh, you know, skills that here in the United States we think are like the most paramount of importance, but instead just have a strong interest and then can study it with you and, yeah. and, and create and, and learn. Uh, it's just fabulous. Yeah. So that we're creating rounded musicians. It's important to compose. Yep. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more the, with you. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really important to learn how that, how, you know, the back end of what you're performing, how that works, yeah. whether you're going to be a composer or not. But for some children, it really brings out their creativity, which some programs might, you know, based on performance might not necessarily, uh, might not necessarily bring out, although performing is a creative activity. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, yeah, so I focus on sound and is that it? Note flight sound trap focus on sound? No. Um, we, as I said, we've got these amazing professional musicians who are our instrumental teachers and I did an inset day for them recently, um, on, uh, music first mm -hmm. and introduced them to musician and Aurelia. Ah, yes. Focus on sound. And it's going to be really, really useful tool for them. Yeah. Um, we, we watched one of your podcasts. Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, one of your webinars um, right. as well. Yeah, so our instrumental teachers are uh, working on simultaneous learning, which is one of Paul Harris's uh, philosophies, so that everything should come from the ingredients of the piece that you're teaching. And what I like about uh, Musician Aurelia uh, Sight Reading Factory is that you can say, right, the piece we're learning is blah i'm going to take this rhythm from it and i'm going to create some practice activities from it 
for either sight reading or whatever. And the, the technology is so supportive of that. So it just makes the learning so much more um, joined up, really. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're, you're, you're contextualizing every aspect of the, of the piece that they're learning. And yep. pulling out. I mean, that's like, to me, that's music education 101, right? Uh, but, but, but it's yeah. not like Paul Harris just put a, but, you know, put a focus on it. And it's really important. Yeah. It's a great way to teach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so one of the questions I asked, you know, was, well, um, have, have you, uh, is this this willingness to change? Do you always do the same things? Are we creatures of habit? Do you always park in the same parking slot? Do you, yeah, and when someone else parks in your parking slot, are you annoyed about that? Right. So, and then you translate it to music education. Do you always do the same warm-ups? Uh, why are you always doing the same warm-ups if you're doing different pieces all the time? Right. Yeah, you know, so Very why aren't you creating a warm-up from the ingredients of the piece? Why are you doing the scales because it says you should do the scales for this exam? Why aren't you doing the scale associated with your piece? Very, very, very good uh, insight there, Jane. <laughs> I hope a lot of people let that sink in. Very yeah. good. So, so um, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let, and, yeah, tell us the rest and then we'll... We'll, 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 well we've got the... Um, COVID at the moment. I don't know what it's going to be like by the time you hear this podcast, but um, yeah. Know, so for our listeners, we're recording this uh, the second week of March, and so yeah. we're just about to head into some interesting times here in the United States. Yeah. So you've got it in the Philippines. So all of your students yeah. are remotely. Um, not yet. Okay. Uh, it's interesting times. Yep. Let's see what happens. But we're looking at Zoom technology. We, we're talking over Zoom at the moment. Yes. Um, I'm really interested in distance learning. Um, I've, I've looked into that in the UK, where we have uh, some counties which have got very, very rural communities. And we looked at how to um, engage children in instrumental learning that were miles and miles away. And you couldn't get a teacher to them because they were in ex-primary school which was you know right an hour and a half away for a teacher right. to visit so um we're looking at using zoom and music first uh to bring all that together so that the children can still access their instrumental learning yep. without having the teacher in the room which is really exciting i think yeah absolutely we're i'm in, in fact by the time this podcast airs i will have done a number of webinars on this exact topic how to facilitate oh, cool. it. We're looking at all the different video conferencing tools, how to make it as, you know, engaging. <laughs> I mean, this is, they, mm. they are interesting times and I'm hoping that by the time we, <laughs> this podcast airs, the whole thing's over. Yeah, uh, so but, do I. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very interesting times. So Jane, I'm looking, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to um, ask you two final questions if I may. Um, and the first one is advice. Uh, and it's, it, I think you've alluded to some of the advice that you would give music teachers thinking about adopting either music first or music technology writ large into their curriculum. But what advice yeah. would you give to somebody who, who might be going, Hmm, I'm not sure if this is right for me. Um, I would say, look at what you're teaching and why you're teaching it. Yep. What are you using the technology for? Um, don't, use the tech don't use the technology just because it's there yep i couldn't agree more so what 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 is the topic what is so my first question and you're teaching any music is what is this music for so go back to the blues what was the blue what is the blues for and then you extract it well for songwriting well is the technology going to be useful for this yeah because you could put a blues backing track in probably from musical futures and then you could sing to your heart's content over the top of it using your computer's inbuilt microphone. Um, 
if you're inputting notes, then why are you doing it? So I've, I've seen some dreadful examples of children just putting random dots on the page in note flight and they've got no theoretical knowledge behind them. Right. And, and teachers go, yeah. it's a composition. We're done. Let's move on. No, <laughs> right? no, no, exactly. Right. But so, so you sound trap. If a child has no musical notation knowledge, you sound trap. Yep. You know, get, get them using loops, get them improvising over the top. Yep. So it's, use, use the technology as it would be in the world, in the real life, in yeah. the workplace. Real life yeah. application of it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That is fantastic advice. I hope a lot of people uh, hear it. I mean, we've been saying these kind of things. I'm sure, uh, Jane, you and I are very much cut from the same cloth when it comes to <laughs> philosophical approaches. There's yeah. a, uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. Her name is Barbara Friedman. She has a mantra, which I, I have adopted, uh, which is teach music, the technology will follow. It's all yeah. about what what is it that you're trying to teach and when it makes sense, how can technology help you? And if it doesn't, please, for the love of Pete, leave it. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you know, the students do not have to play electronic djembes. If you have the ability to, to get real instruments in their hand and put the phones away yeah. for 45 minutes and let them get lost in making music, then please do that. And don't <laughs> just use it because, oh, well, we have a Chromebook in the classroom, so we have to use that at all times. Mm. Yeah. So the, the last question I have for you is the magic wand question, Jane. And uh, uh, I, I'm really interested to hear what your mad, if you could change one thing about either, you know, the tools that music first offers you or music technology in general, what, what would, what would you change? Well, one thing I've, I would, I've worked with film composers in the past. And so one of the things I would really love note flight to be able to do is embed film clips. Which so I don't no, think believe it, does... it or not, believe it or not, you can sync uh, YouTube videos in Note Flight. Oh, uh, really? I, I'm going to show you how to do it. So, um, okay. Yeah. Right. Now it, it is. It's a. It's an amazing feature, and you can um, import a YouTube clip, and then you can actually sync it with your spacebar. There's a a little a button you can click so that the metronome lines up to the YouTube video. But I'm imagining that uh, you might want that in, in Soundtrap as well. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I would, because yeah. uh, the type of kid who might want to compose some film scores might... Well, you, you've got a real range. Film right. music is either incredibly complex or it could be quite easy if you're doing a horror movie. Right. <laughs> and you've got yep. someone who's not so adept at stuff, you know? So they, uh, So that's... That's great to hear because I didn't think it was possible. I don't well, know there's so, programs so you can do that. You are one. I mean, I've I've interviewed probably 24 people at this at this point of the, in the or maybe more than that for my podcast, and I think 20 have said that. So All right. cool. I have I have a tip for you and advice for everybody on this one. Using Note Flights, if you have Note Flight and Soundtrap, using Note Flights YouTube syncing tool, you can have the students create. A, a kind of a click track to the video. It can be a melody. It can be simple like hit points where you say, all right, this is where the person slammed the door and, you know, and oh, you can fantastic. create, you can create a melody in note flight that syncs directly to the film clip. So let's say the film clip is 30 seconds long, have the mm -hmm. students compose a melody in note flight, sync to the video, hit save, and then you can export that note flight track directly into Soundtrap. And so then the kids, even though the video won't be there for them to look at in Soundtrap, 
Um, they have a guide, if you will. So the tempo is there, the hit points are there, and then they can, you know, have the have YouTube playing in a separate window and and be composing uh, using that note flight melody guide. If you if you get, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that that is a really interesting workaround. And until Soundtrap gets video, uh, uh, that's <laughs> what I would recommend to anyone listening: is that you need Soundtrap and Note Flight together. Uh, to yeah. Do that. Well, Jane, cool. it's, been, it's been an absolute delight uh, chatting with you. Um, I hope that uh, by the time this episode airs, you'll be back, uh, you know, that everything will be, well, this whole little cloud of COVID-19 will be, will be <laughs> evaporated. Um, and, I, and I hope that our paths cross uh, in the future. You sound like a, a remarkable music teacher. So thanks for sharing. Oh, thank that. You. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you very much. Great. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to hearing great things from you in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.